We end our anniversary month with a very special episode this week. We chat with Make-A-Wish America President and CEO Richard Davis. Richard joined the organization in 2019 and is responsible for providing guidance and support to local chapters. We're excited to have him share his thoughts about World Wish Day, celebrated annually by chapters, affiliates, and supporters worldwide on April 29th, the anniversary of the wish that inspired the founding of Make-A-Wish. Here is Richard Davis. Richard, welcome to the Wish House Podcast. How are you? Thank you, Abe. I'm delighted to be here, and uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk to these wonderful supporters. Yeah, honestly, it's our it's our privilege and honor to have you um, on. It's one of those one of the guests that we've been wanting to have on since we started this podcast, just to kind of get a better sense of you know the connection between Make Wish America and the local chapters. But before we right. kind of get into all of that, you know, share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Kind of, you know, how did you get involved with nonprofit, and how did you first hear about Make Wish, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Let's do it. First of all, though, happy anniversary to you guys. 35 you. years of wonderful service. So we'll talk about that later. Look, for me, um, my job uh, a couple of years ago was I was the CEO of U.S. Bancorp, which is a large bank holding company headquartered in Minneapolis. I've been a banker my whole life. And I had always determined that at the 10 year anniversary of my running the company, I would transition for two reasons. One is that someone else, someone else can run it because it's the right thing to do. And to do one more thing in life that was really what I call first derivative, like immediately directly changing lives. And so I retired with no specific knowledge of what that would be. And Abe, within months of my retirement, I had a number of opportunities come along my way. And it turns out the minute Make-A-Wish came across my life, I was done looking. I knew this was the thing for me. And I wasn't sure that Make-A-Wish America would want some guy from for-profit coming in to run an organization this special. And yet I think I proved to them in the interview that I'm not that guy and that I really wanted to be a part of something this remarkable in my life. And I was lucky enough to have that happen. And so two, a little over two years ago, I became the CEO of Make-A-Wish America and moved from Minneapolis, the coldest city in America, to Phoenix, the hottest big city in America, and so I've covered it all. Um, and, and I've decided, actually, I do like the uh, warm weather better than the really cold, but I can handle either way. And you guys in Terrytown, you guys get a little both too. So it's all part of uh, embracing where you live. But I couldn't be happier to be here. And it's been a wonderful couple of years. That That's amazing. And, and you talk about how banking, you've been doing it forever. But right. if our research you know, is correct, you know, your background is also in the arts as well. And, and you know, right. you, st- you were an actor, you you performed. Yeah. So this is like really interesting stuff that I kind of discovered as I was getting prepared for this uh, interview. I mean, yeah. you you even, yeah, if I remember correctly, you, know, you also performed in The Wizard of Oz, which is yeah, also yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, don't read everything in Wikipedia. <clears throat> it's true, but it's, it's <laughs> listen, nobody, nobody gets to do exactly what they want all their lifetime. <clears throat> and mine was, I was going to be a, a performer in um, fine arts. I was going to be a bassist, upright bass player. And as it turns out, it just didn't work out. I did it for a long time for fun. Mm-hmm. And even in college, I played electric bass and a lot of bands. Um, but for me, you know, the real passion at the end of the day was service. Banking, I started as a necessity because I had to go to school at night. I could only afford night school. And so I worked full time and banking was a great day job. And as all of us have in our stories, um, something came along that made me realize I love this business. I love helping people, stayed with it my whole life. Um, but it wasn't, I wasn't done until I found what I now know is Make-A-Wish. I just knew that it was a life 
well-lived at the bank and helping people with things in their life that matter the most in terms of financial situations. But boy, make a wish that's a whole nother level. And everybody listening that's affiliated with either your guys directly or helping us as volunteer and helping these kids or a wish family or a wish kid, you know better than I do. There's nothing more remarkable to put your life against something called make a wish and make it matter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's true. And for our listeners, you know, just so you're aware, I mean, you know, Richard joined us as a reminder, you know, back in 2019, he joined our organization. So he got there right before the pandemic hit, something that no one saw coming. It just happened. And then we right. had a pivot as an organization at that point of changing the entire way we grant wishes. And we've had many conversations with both wish granting volunteers, as well as wish families, um, just talking through these changes that they've, that we've had to kind of deal with on the fly. So how was it for you at the helm yeah. of the ship kind of guiding us through this, you know, kind of very, yeah. you know, uncharted waters as we, as we said. Well, on one hand, Abe, it was, it was remarkable because I didn't have decades of tradition. That's and true. so it wasn't as hard for me to give up the original tradition. But I should have said when I started as the CEO of the fifth largest bank, it was the year before the recession. So wow. I felt like, here we go again. I guess if I ever got another job, I should warn people that a year from now, something's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> um, you know, what was so, so positive for me was um, the children, the kids, they pivoted immediately. I mean, yes. immediately. Like, I get that. If I can't go on that wish, give me a chance for another. And, and you know, once the pandemic was up and afoot, we started asking kids for up to three wishes uh, at one sitting so that we could get the one delivered sooner than later. It was basically us, the old people that had trouble adjusting from what was the importance of the one true wish. So let me speak to that for a minute, because mm -hmm. you know this as part of the team, but we started using the word temporary and bold, those words together. And what we said is for us to reimagine a wish during an unprecedented time like COVID-19 is not permanent, but it's necessary. And because it's necessary and not permanent, it can be bold. So we can say there will be no air travel until it's safe to air travel again. And in the meantime, what are we gonna do with kids who are flying to, I don't know, the Galapagos or flying overseas? The answer is let's give them something else because we know and wish kids know, wish families know this, physicians know this, the wish itself is important, but so is the timing of that wish. To put a wish on hold indefinitely, it's more like creating a travel experience, not a wish experience. And the wish is supposed to occur in and around when the child will need it the most. It could be during the therapies, it could be a celebration at the end of the therapies, it could be whatever milestone is required. But what we learned was timing of the wish is as important as the wish itself. And so it was easier to pivot in a pandemic world because we knew we started to develop that child with whatever wish we could and deliver it. And then, you know, we created, you know, wishes won't wait. And we had people sending messages of hope. And I, one of my favorite things I'll look back on was in the early days of COVID, probably last summer, we asked all of our volunteers and hopefully all of you guys and many people listening to grab your phone and to do a 60 to 90 second uh, quick note video note to kids you're not gonna meet, just to say, look, I'm with Make-A-Wish, we love you, we're thinking about you, I know right now your wish is on hold, but we're gonna make sure it gets done. And what I would say to people was, be careful because don't script it, just turn it on, you know, uh, turn on the, the camera, face yourself and start talking. And you're gonna find, you're gonna say things you didn't even know you're gonna say because you got real heartfelt about it, you start to make sure you really want that kid to know we're here for you. And some amazing things come out. And I had more than a few people say, that was cathartic. So all we care about 
is that the wish child gets the wish they want in a timely way. And as long as COVID causes us to have to make some adjustments, we're ready, ready and willing, but wait for it. As soon as it's gone, we're right back to the original one true wish. So I don't want anyone to think we've given up on that. I want them to be proud of us for having pivoted and adjusted at a time when giving up would have been to wait forever. And that wouldn't have been cool either. Yeah, and I can tell you, you know, just from my personal experience of my wish, you know, the only thing that delayed my wish was my treatment process and just kind of getting to the point of where I was able to be physically out and with people and, you know, being outside of that time period of when I was most, you know, uh, immunocompromised and being able to be out with my family during a time for me favorite time of the year, 4th of July. Um, and in yeah. the middle of the ocean, and I was seeing dolphins just swim up against the boat. It was absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was one of those things I'll never forget. And believe it or not, and I've said this many times, but I will never go on a cruise again. And I can, you can put that, take that to the bank. Yeah. Um, where yeah, really the same. Yeah. Because I, I can't, I can't sully that, that memory, you know, in any yeah. way, I don't want to go on another cruise and say, Oh, that was better. Or that was okay. Better. So, so take a time out here. So for the listeners knowledge, Abe is a wish kid got his wish in 1999 and went to the Caribbean on a cruise. And we celebrate all of that because this is a guy not just interviewing me, he gets exactly the life-changing impact of the wish. And we're gonna come back and do a future podcast for those who listen to us. And I'm gonna interview him as a wish child who now at 38, father of two, working for Make-A-Wish, Hudson Valley. I gotta get that story out to a lot of people. So look forward to that as a future podcast because this guy's got a lot to say. But thank you, you guys for heard it here first. It yeah, say you what? guys heard it here first. I'm gonna have Richard Davis interview me. What a no, what, what, they what, what the honor is that? That's amazing. <laughs> We're in good shape. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for that yeah. you know, generous offer. And, and we can't wait to have that another conversation. We'll flip the, the seats around we and we'll have that that convo. Um with that said, I mean, so we're talking about you know, the impact that wishes have on, on people's lives and, you know, ha, ha, throughout your time, your tenure with Make-A-Wish, you know, how, how has it been when you've met Wish kids, families that are in the midst of treatment or, you know, maybe in the tail end of it, you know, how, yeah. how has it been when you've met them and the stories that they've shared with you? Has it changed in any way your approach to kind of dealing with certain things as you kind of look ahead? Well, I'm always touched and it changes everything because everything we have to be doing as Make-A-Wish partners, is thinking about the next kid and the next wish. And so anything that gets in the way of that, we should all just push it off to the side because it's just meaningless. But what I've learned the most, Abe, is the children who will reflect back on their own wish, and we'll do this with you one day soon, find a moment in the wish when even as volunteers or partners, we would never predict it. It's not the very wish itself. It's sometimes something right before, right after, maybe in the middle of it, but there's a indelible memory that carries them well forward. So we all know the process, but I think a lot of our, of our partners don't realize that a child comes to us through a physician's referral. So step one, make sure that all the physicians everywhere we can find understand Make-A-Wish and therefore feel comfortable to refer just like they would refer medicine or spiritual support, whatever it would take, because we're hope. We are the incidence of hope. The second piece is, the opportunity to discover that wish. And many of our volunteers listening today and our own staff, there's nobody in the world better at discovery than all of you as you help a child decide, what is it I want that will really change my life as I look forward to it? Then there's the anticipation. And you and I both know anticipation is sometimes greater than the event. Only place I've corrected that is at Make-A-Wish, the event's actually as good as the anticipation. It's always that great. Then the event, 
And then it's not over. Then we reflect back on it. We capture it if we can. And then the child reflects on it. And so what I've learned in talking to wish kids is after they've experienced the wish, they will find anywhere in that journey will be the moment they'll reflect on. But it's not always the wish itself, which reminds all of us that this wonderful experience called make a wish is from beginning to forever and allows us to celebrate any part that the child may want to remember the most. And it's not exactly the ones we might have predicted. I love the unpredictability of that. The kids get so much strength from these experiences. And as you said, that anticipation, waiting for the wish to happen, that it makes everything that we were worried about before go yes. out the window. And it's the right. focus is on what the wish is able to provide the child and the family at that period of time when they need it the most, which is what you said, which is hope, which is really our, that's like our mantra really over the last two years, especially <laughs> as it's always been since the beginning of yes. when we started, but most especially over the last couple of years throughout this pandemic and moving on forward. I mean, the word hope is so critical in our, in our, in what we're trying to deliver as a message and what we need right now and what our kids need right now. Um, right. And it's actually one of my favorite, you know, taglines, I guess you could say for this year, which is, you know, don't wait for hope, create it. And we're calling, this is a call to action to our community to get involved in the various ways that they can, they can to help create hope for our local wish kids. And I think you can maybe can speak a little bit more as to how that came about. Cause when Henry, who works at our national office, when yeah. he talks about it, his passion is definitely, you can feel it when we're on these marketing and communications webinars yes. and calls. I mean, Amazing. he's the one that's been delivering this, the, these messages to us. And as we're getting prepared, you know, for what's coming, which is world wish day at the Next time week. of the release of this episode will be tomorrow. World right. Wish Day on April 29th, which is in celebration of Chris Gracious and, you know, and, and the granting of his wish. You know, so can you share with our listeners a little bit yeah. about what World Wish Day is and, yeah. and this mean this message behind it, which is don't wait for hope created? Got it. There's a lot in unpack. So first of all, April 29th, 1980 was the day of the first wish. It was here in Phoenix where I'm talking to you from, where we're headquartered. And a young boy named Chris Gracious um, was a leukemia uh, uh, patient. And he and his mother lived in an apartment complex here in Phoenix next door to an older couple. And she was a single mother. And so the older couple started to kind of adopt Linda and her son, Chris. And over the course of a few years, Chris then took ill. And by the way, the leukemia that he suffered was 20% survivable in 1980. And today it's 94% survivable. So that's just a hats off to the amazing progress in medicine. So as it would turn out, Chris started to take ill. They discovered that he was not going to live a lot longer. And the next door neighbor, well, he's a state trooper. And so what he decided to do was to work with Linda to create an opportunity for Chris to become a state trooper. And they created this wonderful, they made a big uniform. They got him out and actually went to took him out on a helicopter. Um, as a, uh, with the state trooper. And I might say they asked for forgiveness, not permission, because they just did it. Right. And Chris sadly passed soon thereafter, but it was basically the first wish. Story ends there. That's what's so beautiful about this. They just did it for Linda and Chris. And many, many months later, Abe, in Phoenix, Arizona, there's a thing called Department of Public Services. It's where the state troopers and the firefighters both work at the same place. So months later, this child named Bob C. Salazar, a young boy, was desirous of riding a fire engine, and he wanted to go to Disneyland. And so the same group of people got together and said, we can do this. And so Bob C.'s wish later that year was in Anaheim, California, at Disneyland, and he rode the fire truck down Main Street. 
two for one. And that we call the first official wish. And here we are 502,000 wishes later across the world in 40 countries where Make-A-Wish is. So World Wish Day celebrates Chris's first wish, April 29th of every year. Now, let me get to the rest of your question. So last year at this time, we were preparing for our World Wish Day 40th anniversary, big anniversary. And I alone had a number of media outlets that we were going to be speaking to and going on TV, going on radio, and really launching the 40th anniversary. And then COVID-19 hijacked the whole thing. But a number of the outlets still kept us on their docket. And so on April 29th of last year, I did a number of media discussions. And I found myself with a whole new sense of placing us in the context of, a, of an essential environment. You know, the word essential, it came up a lot last year when we started talking about essential frontline workers and what's essential in life. And so I found myself saying in these interviews here in April, so it was early stage, I said, look, we know we are not solving food insecurity. We're not right now, that's not our role. We also know we're not creating jobs for the numbers of people who've lost their jobs in the last few weeks. But what we just realized is that what the world needs as much as anything right now is hope. And that's what we are, we are hope. And so hope is essential came from that moment. And we have not only believed it to be true, but I think a lot of people have, because it's a thing that makes us all get through each day. And then as we thought about pivoting and getting into the new world, we just embrace it like a big hug, reimagined it and started moving forward. So as we get into our 41st celebration coming up this year, we wanted to talk about don't wait for hope because it's everywhere, create it. And there's no better place to create hope than Make-A-Wish. And if you say, well, how do, what does hope look like? Well, you already know this, you guys, but just meet a wish kid and that's hope. You talk about a return on investment to provide a sense of hope in the hearts and minds of a child than their siblings and their parents and their caregivers and their community and everyone who gets to be a part of it. No one knows better than you that it's changing lives well more than just one child at a time. So don't wait for hope created is this year's version of hope is essential. And either way, please go out and talk it up and speak to people who wanna understand how their life can intersect with Make-A-Wish. And this will make their life stand for something much greater than even they know. And once they get caught in the net, they're never leaving because this place is very special and you already know that. And I'm grateful for all that you do to support us. Well, thank you so much, Richard. And you know, and it's true. I mean, as Make-A-Wish America is celebrating our 41st uh, anniversary year, our chapter is celebrating our 35th anniversary year this year, and which we just celebrated on April 3rd, earlier in the month. And it's really amazing because when we've talked to our co-founders of our chapter, along with some early CEOs, one of the things that came up a lot in our conversations was that, yeah, you know, we weren't polished. You know, we didn't really know exactly, you know, where we were going to go or where we would be in the next year. But what we knew was that it was all about relationship building. It was about creating tethers in the community to kind of bring us together and, uh, and provide these experiences to our wish kids. Do you find that that's also one of those, you know, call to actions as well as to, you know, this creation of hope that we're, we're aiming to do for this year, you know, always, but definitely for this year, is, is a call to action to our local community as well to yeah. say, hey, you can get involved right now. I mean, there's a variety of ways, whether it's referring a child, volunteering, you know, or as you said, the return on investment and in knowing that when you're giving a gift, a donation to Make-A-Wish, you're going to see that impact in that child and in that family. Yeah. So I said, thank you. Thank you Abe. I, I said earlier, return on investment. So 
I am unabashed about reminding everyone that the only way to create a wish and to grant it is to fund it. And so we need the funds to support it. And we're not a national organization that uses grants or public support. Uh, the celebrities, they don't pay for the wish. The places we go, they don't pay for the wish. You all do. So it's important and it's okay for people to know that because we want them to believe that you invest in all kinds of things in life. What could be better than to invest in this? But here's the deal. <clears throat> I never, ever ask for money, ever. I always ask for permission to tell a make-a-wish story. And then I ask the question at the end, is there any interest in your life being a part of our life? Is there any part of your life that you'd like to be a make-a-wish? Almost no one says no, but they don't know how. And so you mentioned one is to be a volunteer. Another one is to be an advocate, a vocal supporter for us. And, and lastly is to fund us and to help these wonderful wishes become supported through these, um, these uh, wonderful opportunities to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. What I like most about Make-A-Wish is that the children over the years have changed a lot. The wishes continue to evolve as they reflect what kids are looking for. We went back and looked at our number one celebrity wishes 30 years ago <clears throat> and 20 years ago and 10 years ago and now, and you can see just America reveal itself based on what kids <laughs> at the time, who they wanted to meet. But, you know, kids have a chance to go somewhere, meet someone, uh, be something like mayor for a day, have something. But this new fifth category has come into our life a few years ago, which is to give back. And these stories of kids who want to make their gift, giving back to other kids is beyond remarkable. And I just want to call it out because it doesn't matter what the kid wishes for. But as usual, kids teach adults things about life that we miss. And I've been taught more about the goodness of life through the kids I've met in these last couple of years than my entire life up to that moment in time. Because it's unfiltered, it's genuine and authentic, and it's from the heart. And if there's anything you can do with your life to intersect your time with your treasures, to these children, to let them know not only that you're there to help them, but to envelop them with your support. Well, that's what hope looks like. So if you want to see hope, check out a wish kid or hear their story because it's remarkable. And that's the support we really need. Hi, everyone. This is a friendly reminder that this Thursday evening, the Mario M. Cuomo Bridge will be lit in blue, not only to celebrate our chapter anniversary month, but also to honor World Wish Day, the anniversary of the wish that inspired the founding of Make-A-Wish. We encourage you to grab your face covering, sneakers, a bottle of water, and put on your favorite Make-A-Wish swag and take a walk across the bridge this Thursday evening. Be sure to take some photos and tag us on social media at Make-A-Wish HV. Now back to Richard Davis's episode. A lot of times for our volunteers, they're involved locally they don't have that same connection as we do as a staff with our with our national office. So this is really for many of them, maybe the first or second time that they're hearing from you, because we have shared with our volunteer base over the last year. Every time you've sent out a message to directly sure. to our volunteers, we've shared that with them. So they've heard you. They've seen you. But this is the right. first time they're kind of getting to know you as a, as a person outside yeah. of those small video clips. Right. So, right. you know, it's very interesting because it's a great opportunity for for your introduction to them. You know, that they're getting to see you for the first time and hear right. from you for the first time. Right. Well, listen, I I don't want to disappoint you. Um, <laughs> Never. I'm delighted to be here. As I told Abe before we started this interview, you know, one of my biggest um, pleasures was to come from a business thinking to a not-for-profit and to prove to myself 
they're not different. It just happens to be in the in the bank where I used to run, our profits were placed back into shareholder value and shareholders kept investing because it was a good place to invest. But here our work goes into the children and our investment is in their future. That's much more inspired, I might add. Uh, it's a little more complicated too, because each child has a different circumstance and each one matters in its own way. <clears throat> but I want you to know one thing that I want you to be proud of this organization. First of all, celebrating 35 years puts Hudson Valley as one of our older chapters. It's one of our most distinguished chapters and based on where you all live, where things happen in upper New York um, state between you and New York City and, and North, that matters. There's a lot of influencers in that marketplace. So you guys have done a brilliant job. You're, you're like Make-A-Wish itself, you punch over your weight. It's a very, very impressive job. Tom has been a remarkable leader for a high percentage of the years that you guys have been in existence. And we celebrate him and the entire team. <clears throat> but what I wanna say is Make-A-Wish's promise is to grant the wish of every eligible child. And we've been spending a lot of time for our first 40 years talking about eligible children. What is it that causes them to be eligible? How do we find the community that will recognize them and place them into our care? But we're now focusing on the every. And I want you to be proud of this especially in light of what's happening in our social and unjust world and things that have been going on in terms of um, equity and equality, Make-A-Wish <clears throat> needs to prove that the Make-A-Wish promise is equally available to every child in America, no matter where they live. I'm happy to report, Abe, that I don't know that that's not true, but I can't prove that it is. And so we're gonna take a multiple year journey to prove that it's true, <clears throat> that no matter where the kid lives, no matter what their caregiver situation, they can find the Make-A-Wish promise. So think about it this way. In, we'll take Westchester County alone, we have a remarkable network of physicians who know Make-A-Wish well through your larger hospital networks. But if I were to go into the very rural parts of New York State and into places in rural anywhere in America or low income where there's an entirely different network of physicians, typically through clinics, and through walk-in med sites and very less formal infrastructure. Is Make-A-Wish as well known there so that a physician in a clinic in a different income bracket still knows Make-A-Wish and refers them? And I don't think so. So one of our next big efforts is to make sure that we are coloring the entire map equally across America so that wherever the wish child is and they don't have to care where they live or who knows them, that physician network will know them like everybody's does and they'll find their way to us, and then the magic of the wish will be equally available to them. And so one of the things I've discovered is we are amazing at the eligible part. We need to become just as amazing at the every. And you guys have been doing that longer than most chapters as you reach into all parts of your counties. And I'm really proud of what you've done. You've also been one of the leading chapters to create an alumni network where once the wish family is part of our lives, they're with it forever. But I wanna call you guys out because this is a local charity. This is my last point, Abe. We are 59 local charities across America, and America is one of 40 countries in the world. And wishes are local, and we know that. And so we're not a national organization where everything, all the money goes into one place, or somebody in Phoenix is telling you what to do in New York. It's not, it's local. And so when your volunteers, when your donors, when your future supporters put their arms around the Hudson Valley Make-A-Wish, they're putting it around their own community. 
And we at the national office are there to support you and give you all the backing you need and all the benefits of technology and human resources and some of the infrastructure, but you are local and you make the wishes happen. You, all of you that I'm talking to, and I'm talking to Abe particularly because as a member of that team, small but mighty, they're the ones who actually take the idea to the child and execute it with your help. So it's a very, very beautiful model, local but national kind of together. That's amazing. And that's, I mean, there's nowhere, I mean, where else can we go with that, Richard? I mean, that was fantastic. And thank you so much for, for sharing all of that with us. Of course. And, and one of the unique things about our podcast is that we have a segment, it's called the Shooting Star Segment. So we're going to completely pivot, change gears a little bit, which is a series of questions where you say the first thing that comes to mind. So okay. let's just kind of start with, you know, obviously you've been with our organization for, for a couple of years. You've seen a right. variety of different wishes over your time with us. Out of all those wishes, you know, what would you say is like your, what are those wishes that really stand out to you, whether it was because you met the child directly or whether it's just the wish was just amazing? My favorite wishes are the simple ones. Um, and they can be a child who wanted two goats not long ago, a puppy, um, a blue guitar. Um, now we can typically enhance those and give them a huge dog, dog houses and an amazing you know support. And, and the blue guitar turns out it was signed by a country Western uh, a movie star that this child wanted. But I love them the most, Abe, because we didn't veer from the authentic wish the kid had. Every once in a while, I actually see well-intended adults like you and me try to make it bigger, try to make it more grand. And sometimes I think the kid might not have wanted that grandness. They wanted the simpleness. So I really celebrate listening to the child. And I can tell when the child's got exactly what they wanted because it was very close to their one true wish. And it doesn't have to be remarkable or unbelievable, which it can be, um, but it is unbelievably personal. And then of course, they're the remarkable ones where I've heard and you've seen the stories where we do amazing things like Bat Kid in Gotham City and having a, you know, a, a Fenway Park in the backyard of a girl in the wiffle ball setting and some remarkable things. But those stories aren't the wish itself. It's all the people that got involved and whose lives became changed when they met that child and said, I'm inspired by having that child now in my life, I will do anything for them. So either way, it comes back to simplicity. I, I love that. And, and definitely simple is the way to go for, for yeah. a lot of these wishes. I mean, that's because that definitely hits at the core of it. Um, earlier in the uh, in our conversation, you mentioned our local president, CEO and Tom Conklin. Um, yeah. What would, if, at the time of when this episode is released, we would have already announced publicly to our volunteers and to okay. our supporters that Tom has is going to be retiring at the end of the calendar year. So what right. message would you give Tom as he's kind of, you know, going on to his next chapter in life when you, what would you share with him? Um, you know, as a message that maybe we can, you know, share with this directly. You got it. And I already have, by the way, because we celebrated him at what was by this time in past <laughs> a, a celebration of his peers. But look, 23, 24 years, um, at the helm of an organization that's only been around for 35. First of all, OMG, um, if you really want to believe your imprint is on that organization, then we can say that to Tom. Secondly, as I already said, it stands above so many chapters in terms of a, of a quality and a, uh, a strength position. And, and, you know, the CEO gets credit and blame either way, but we give him a lot of credit for the remarkable team that you're a part of, finding people like you, Abe, and developing and determining the wishes in this, these communities that you all serve. And then finally, you know, Tom's um, very self-aware. I think he realizes he was exactly the right guy for those 24 years and that it's time for somebody else to come in and, and pivot into the future. And that's the sign of a real good leader. 
Um, I think I did that when I chose a 10-year window in my old job, and I'm excited to see what he does next. He's going off to do whatever fun things he wants. It's his choice. It's timing. It doesn't get better than that. But I'm going to ask him to try to remember how many of the almost 3,000 wishes you guys have done can he remember? And you should ask him this one on his last day, which ones stand above all? Because I'll bet they'll be the simple ones, and I'll bet they'll be the ones that are least likely to have been expected. But they're all going to have stories of kids he's reached back to and heard from or talked to since. You will probably be one of them as he reflects on that. So we celebrate a life well lived. This many years of someone's life placed in the hands of a place called Make-A-Wish to change lives one at a time. It just doesn't get better than that. So he gets an MVP award from all of us for that wonderful service. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's been a, a, a pleasure working with Tom. And I can speak on behalf of the entire staff that, you know, having Tom you know, at the helm for the entire time that I've been there, right. you know, that in itself is um, it's a luxury that I know a lot of other companies they don't necessarily have where they have the same boss for so long. And, um, and whenever there's change over, there's always change, you know, there's evolution and there's, there's growth as well, but you know, it takes some getting used to kind of when you get, when you buy a new pair of shoes and you know, they don't, they fit right. But you know, you got to break them in a little bit. <laughs> so that's kind of how it feels when you got somebody new in the fold is that you get, you got, you, you're going to get used to them a little bit. But so listen, listen, you bring up a good point. I want to bring it up. All of you guys are going to need to embrace the next successor. And I say that because we're not going to replace Tom. He literally right. is irreplaceable, but we will succeed him with somebody new. And he will be part of this, by the way, he will be very much involved with the board in the selection of his successor. And so will the national office be there to help. So let's all embrace him for what he's done. Let's embrace his successor because that the highest form of compliment to an outgoing CEO is to celebrate the new one and to protect the legacy while letting it change over time. 100%. And and the next question I have for you, Richard, is if you could have a wish, you know, what would it be? And I'll just remind our listeners of the five categories that you mentioned earlier, which are to go, to meet, to have, to be, and to give. So out of those five formal wish categories, what wish would you want to have? So I've never been asked that question. It's a very good one. And we did not choreograph this, but my, my wish would be to find a way to celebrate the complete compendium of wishes. I wish that I could put into, from my head, what I've learned in two years, into the minds and hearts of all people who might want to find this is the place that their life stands for. You know, there's an impression in the most recent study we did that still 40% of Americans think that Make-A-Wish is the last wish of a dying child. And in some cases, it could be a child who has a circumstance that will not allow them to graduate out of childhood. But seven in 10 children do graduate into adulthood, and we celebrate that either way. But I do believe that if, if more people understood that these children, for however long their life is, will pay it back in remarkable ways in, in from the, the wisdom of only children to the power and belief that only hearts can speak, not minds. Um, every American would then put Make-A-Wish as their number one place to put their lives next to. And so my hope, my wish would be to help people understand us better because they love us either way, but they love us even more when they know that we're affecting lives the way we do. And that would be my wish. That's awesome. And, and lastly here, Richard, you know, in our Shooting Star segment, we have the last question, which is, in one word, how would you describe Make-A-Wish? Well, hope. But since we've used it so much, that's like kind of cheating, right? right. So the other one will be joy. Joy is this um, 
it's an equally wonderful word because you can't not be happy when you hear joy. Whatever joy is in your mind, it's also in your heart. So it's not just an intellectual thing. And joy is a gift given. You don't just have joy. You either get it or you receive it. It's an active verb. And so I would say that if I had to pick word number two, it would be hope and joy. But I would start with hope because that's something that we all embody and something that we all need so desperately. That's awesome. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us on the Wish House podcast. I can't say how honored and privileged we are to have you and you know to Likewise. kind of support our our little podcast that we have here in the, in the local it. Hudson Valley area. So thank and you. And you so wait much. now because that's not the last time you heard from me. We're gonna switch seats. I'll find a black shirt. You find the blue shirt. I like it. I'll do this whole thing. I'll get some headphones and look like <laughs> really cool like you do. And we will introduce a wish child and we'll tell your story because I think it's one that I'm very inspired by and one I want others to hear. So thank you for doing this today. But in future, thanks for doing this later too. To our listeners, remember, you can always refer to our show notes for additional information about the topics we discussed today. We invite you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast to help us reach as many people as possible about our wonderful mission. Special thanks to the executive producers of the Wish House podcast, Jillian Rodriguez and Sydney Wolf. Shout out to Wish alum Brian Chin for providing our podcast theme music. And finally, from all of us at the Wish House, stay safe and healthy.